situation last night. That and allergies. Good morning. Welcome, welcome to Crossbridge. It's good seeing everybody this morning. If you guys would, just stand and praise the Lord. And like I say all the time, we're not up here performing. We're up here praising with you. So uh, raise your voices.
Thank you, guys. Good morning, Crossbridge. I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here this morning, Lord, to worship you, to lift our voices in song, to fellowship with one another, Lord, and to dig into your word this morning. Uh, God, I'm thankful to be here, uh, Lord. What an exciting morning it's going to be. Excited to do baptism this morning also. And, Lord, in all things, we love you, we thank you, we glorify and honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
my guitar turned up in the monitor. I guess that's a way to get you in quiet. Just stop playing. <laughs> you guys ready to worship still? Yeah. I mean, come on, that's wig. Are you ready to worship the Lord? Come on, what are we doing? I'm not going to sing on this one, just so you know. Because, uh, well, I mean, I might sing a little bit, but <clears throat> I'm still going to sing, but not probably real close to the mic because my allergies are killing me. But these young ladies uh, picked this song and. I've never really heard or did this song before, but these words in this song are exactly what we do. Lord, forgive us. So here we go.
Richard, would you come on up here this morning? I'm going to ask, also ask our deacons, our members of security, if you guys would come and help Richard this morning. Guys, I have a, a, an awesome show, a story to, to share with you. Um, this morning, we're going to be baptizing Richard. We have been praying for this man uh, as he is, he's been very, very sick. Uh, and Richard, you are 70, not 80 years old. He'll be 80 in August. Uh, and we've been praying for him. This is Crystal uh, Young's father. And we've been praying for him for, for quite a while. He has some serious medical issues going on. And I had the opportunity Wednesday night uh, to sit down and visit with him about eternity and where he's at in his life. And uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody so broken. Uh, and I really appreciate that. When, when you know that somebody is broken because of their sin in their life and they need Christ. And Wednesday evening, a lot of you who were here Wednesday night know that Wednesday evening, Richard uh, cried out to Christ to save him and forgive him of his sins. And, and so this morning, uh, we're going to be baptizing him as a new brother in Christ. And I think this is a testimony to everybody here, everybody that's watching online that there's always, always the chance and the hope that Jesus gives you while you're on this earth to be saved. doesn't matter your age, what you've done in your life, he can forgive you. So you ready for this? Yes. Let's do it. All right, so I'm going to ask you to stand up here, and they're going to help you. You're going to walk right into the baptistry and go up there to the front and sit down. You want to take your watch off? You want to take your shoes off? I probably ought yeah. to. Well, why don't you turn around and sit down and take your shoes off? This is a, uh, guys, it's a testimony. It really is of what Christ can do in someone's life. And uh, I want you to keep praying for him also. Please keep praying for him uh, and his family. And uh, we, we have been praying for him for quite a while. And just what a, what a great day uh, today is for him and his family and Crystal and his son-in-law, Nikki. What a, what a great day uh, this is for their family. That's all right. <laughs> you know, like I told him, I told you in our meeting, right? It doesn't mean that you're still not going to battle health problems and being sick, right? But what it is, what this does mean, what you did Wednesday night in professing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is you're not battling a sin problem anymore. Amen? You're just going to step down in there and walk right up to the front. and put your, You'll sit down and put your feet down below. Can you do that? I don't know how far down that is. 
It's, it's not too far. We got you. There you go. And you're going to walk right up here and sit down and put your feet down there. Then I'm going to ask you a really, really important question. Nikki, can you grab his hand right there? Thank you. We didn't put ice water in here. It's pretty warm for him this morning. <laughs> okay, it is warm, isn't it? All right. You want to set up and scoot up as far as you can there. There you go. Okay, brother, I want you to hold my hand. I'm going to ask you something really, really important here, okay? Richard, have you professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. On your profession of faith and in keeping with his command, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. let you get in here and help him get out, Alan. Thank you. Okay, they're going to help him out. What a huge, uh, what a blessing it is for him and his family this morning. Um, I want to keep going on our announcements. I know I've got several things uh, today. So we had these made up. Uh, Tammy, and what Freeway is selling them, correct? Freeway had these made up. We've, we've been praying for lots of little kids. One of them is Hudson. Hudson kind of had a rough week. Uh, Harrison is Tammy's grandson. If you would like to purchase one of these, let me know. It will remind you to pray for Harrison. Uh, they're gonna, they're, these are available out front. Is that correct, Tammy, or who do they need to see? They're out front. Okay, so please see Tammy or Sean uh, correct about purchasing these. Uh, these wristbands to help remember to pray for Harrison. We've got several that were are on our prayer list and we need to pray for. The other thing is we had the choices uh, walk for life. And what they did is you see the stone. I don't, I'm not sure where the church stone. There it is. It's over here on this side. If you would, what they're going to be doing is these are going to be uh, stones that walk in, that lead into the walkway of the new choices building. There is our church stone. If you would like to have your name uh, put on a brick, you can do that. There's a sign-up form here. Uh, there's different size uh, stones. You can put logos on it. The sign-up for this is out front on the table. So you need to see Jeannie Donaldson. It's between now and Father's Day is when these uh, can be purchased. And so they will go right next to our church brick. Um, so, yeah, uh, if, you, if you would like to do this, uh, please see Jeannie Donaldson and let her know. Here's the other thing, VBS. VBS is coming really, really quick, guys. In June, June 27th through Thursday, June 30th, we will have dinner every night at 6 o'clock, and then the classes for all the kids start from 6.30 to 8.30. The ages are preschool through 6th grade. So if you would like to help with VBS, there is a sign-up sheet out back. If you have not done a background check to work in the children's department or with our kids, you must pass a background check. So you, you need to get that done. If you've already passed one, sign up to teach one of the classes, help with one of the classes. You have a whole bunch of openings right now. Okay, so let's fill them up today. Um, 
and pray about, or even this week, pray about how, what, how you can serve in VBS. It's an awesome week. It's a good time. You don't have to worry about eating dinner that week. Just bring the kids. We usually have 60 or 70 kids that come uh, for VBS, so VBS is going to be here before we know it. Wednesday night, uh, classes at 6 o'clock, uh, or excuse me, dinner at 6 o'clock, classes at 6.45. Today, after the morning service, we have a very, very important business meeting, members. So, voting on two things, an amendment to the Constitution, and the church will be voting on the new building plan. So, members, please stay after morning service. We, we will, we'll make it as quick as possible. We're also going to be voting in a whole bunch of new members that just went through the new member class that we completed this morning. So, please, please uh, stay after that. Men's prayer breakfast next Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I'm going to be out of town, but Sean, you guys doing men's prayer breakfast, we'll, we'll be there for men's prayer breakfast uh, at Grillo's at 8 a.m. next Saturday morning. Also, they're having an outreach Saturday, June 4th. It's the Timothy Project. It's an outreach at the Embassy of Hope from 9 uh, to 1. And then this week also, tomorrow night, is the last softball game. Is it the last one for this year, or are you guys signing up for a new... For the summer league. For spring. This is the last game for spring. It's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night at the park there on A Highway to support the, the softball team. I think that's all I had. I had one more. Um, the kids fishing day for the association is Saturday, June 4th. Saturday, June 4th for kids fishing day from 9 to 2 uh, at the Compass Church on 38 Highway. So, any other announcements that I forgot, guys, this morning? Yes. Friday morning, 8.30, ladies, at Prickly Cactus for breakfast. You guys had a good trip Friday, didn't you? Ladies, I know the ladies went on a little trip Friday and spent time with one another. That's good. Anything else? Yes. Bible study. Men's discipleship at 4.30 this afternoon, fellas. Bible study at 6 tonight. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering, and we'll enter our time of, uh, of worship today before we jump into God's Word together. So let's bless our morning offering uh, today. Lord Jesus, I thank you again just for the opportunity to be here today. And uh, Lord, as we enter our time of worship, we do want to lift our voices in song to you. We also want to give back to you, Lord, so I pray uh, this morning that you take this offering, that it furthers your kingdom, that it's used to spread the gospel in our community and around the world, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to give back to you. We're so blessed in so many ways that we don't, we don't even comprehend sometimes how blessed we are, and so Lord, what an exciting morning. I'm very thankful for, for Richard and his profession of faith and the example it is for our body and and Lord, we worship you today for that, for the saving faith, for his saving faith. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice to the same old You're trying to feel the same old voice inside. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. You're a pain taker. 
never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 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 We make miracles work. Promise keep that is all you my God. That is who you Thank you, guys. All right, our um, kiddos, second grade and below, you can go down to Children's Church this morning. If you would, let's honor God's word together. Uh, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're back in the, the first John chapter 3, excuse me. First John chapter 3. We're back in first John, preaching through first John uh, today. <clears throat> Don't mind my voice. I apologize. I've Allergies are rough right now, and last night we went to graduation, and I guess I yelled a little bit too loud for my niece and some of the other seniors. That's my voice. I'm not necessarily sick, but uh, I'm not going to be able to holler like I normally do maybe today. 1 John 3, 11 through 19. We've got several verses here. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 19. It says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed, passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Let's pray together again. Lord Jesus, again, I come to you, Lord, and I pray, uh, Lord, right now for your word that will go out unhindered by my voice or any other thing, Lord, that could uh, make it where it doesn't sound out today in this passage because, it, Lord, it just absolutely does and it applies to the church. It applies to us right now where we are. It applies to a lost and dying world that hates you and is going to hate us. And so, Lord, I pray today that our body will be encouraged. I prayed if there's someone here that's living in darkness, that's living in sin, that's living and alienated from you, that you, your Holy Spirit, Lord, will burden them, that today they need you. They need to be saved. 
They need salvation that at any moment we could be in judgment standing before you. And so, Lord, I, I pray this morning that, that your word doesn't return void, that, that uh, it accomplishes today exactly what you would have for it. And, Lord, we love you, we worship you. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. See, I am excited to be back in uh, the book of 1 John after taking a break. Uh, I guess from it leading up to Christmas and looking at Jesus leading up to Christmas and after uh, Christmas, Easter, excuse me, uh, Easter and leading up to Easter and, and after Easter and then last week honoring our mothers. I was glad to, to do that and Easter is the most important time, uh, our resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus is the most important time, foundational in Christian doctrine and history and so, uh, but I wanted to go back and I want to do a quick review uh, it's been from about a month and a half ago when I was in this passage again, but I want to get you kind of up to date on where we are as we're preaching through this book. Uh, and we covered the first 10 verses in the text that we talked about, and, how the, and, and we saw that God's love, it was God's love that made us his children. His love for us was the reason that he went to the cross to pay for our sin, and that he loved us while we were still in sin. He didn't ask us to clean up our lives and make ourselves better in order to be saved. He saved us while we were dead in our sins. And that's amazing news for us. Uh, now that we are changed by the love of Jesus, the world has a hard time understanding biblical Christians. They don't understand how we can handle conflict the way we do, how we forgive people the way that we do, and that our love is now based on being changed by Jesus. We only can love because he changed us. And finally, we talked about in that message that you are what you do. The people that live in habitual sin and live in an habitual sinful state are not followers of Jesus. He kind of follows that theme a little bit today. Uh, but in verse 6, it says that no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. So if you live in a habitual state of unrepentant, unconfessed sin, you can't say that you're a follower of Christ according to scripture. And so John continues this theme of love, that our love for Jesus will now compel us to love other people because he's worked in our life. Now we're going to love other people. And I want to start off in verse 11. And this is key. This is very, very key. And in verse 11, it says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. The first point is this message has not changed. The message of Jesus is unchanging through time. It's not going to change today. It is the same message that John talked about in 1 John chapter 3. Is the same message of Jesus Christ and his love today. That has not changed. And it can't change. Since the beginning, the gospel message, uh, love has been a central theme of that. John in, in this book is constantly protecting against false teachings. And one of the false teachings was about love for one another. Throughout this book, what John is doing is his, he's repeating some of the same truths. And, and, and he repeats them and he expands on them in a little bit, in a little bit different of a way. It was, it was, it's very important for us to understand what he's talking about or he wouldn't have repeated it over and over and over and talked about it numerous times. Today, the gospel of Jesus Christ was from the beginning, it is in the beginning, and it is to today. Everything else around can change, the gospel doesn't change. The truth of who Jesus is has not changed, nor will it change. 
Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same foundation, foundational doctrine of how someone is saved in 1 John in the, the year of the thousands or 1200 or 1500 or in the 1600s is the same gospel message in 2022. And it's going to be the same gospel message in 2025 or, or, or 2050 or 2022-50, whatever. 100 years from now, if we're still here, if you're still here, let me say it's a big if, it's not going to change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Jesus in the Old Testament who waged war against his enemies is going to be the Jesus that comes back one day and wages war against sin. It doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. How many of you have heard the term progressive Christianity? Probably everybody in here. You don't even have to raise your hands. If you haven't, it is very, very prominent now in our country, progressive Christianity. Most pro progressive Christians don't hold to the belief of the inerrancy of Scripture. And why they call themselves progressive is because they change. They think we have to get with the times. That the gospel, that salvation, that God's word should be updated. They focus on a social justice gospel and a love for the earth, not the creator of the earth. They tend to also teach a universal salvation that everybody will be saved regardless of what you believe. That there's many paths to heaven. That all men will reach heaven regardless of what they believe. I want to warn you this morning that anytime you hear the word progressive, with anything, you better be on guard. You better be on guard. When you heard the term progressive, that means we're changing it. we got to get with the times. And you especially must be on guard when it has to do with the church. Progressive Christianity is a recent movement. It's something new. And, and, and what it's saying is, well, the early church got it all wrong. They got it all wrong. So we have to be progressive and we have to fix it. They don't believe Jesus' words in Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. They don't believe that. They think that Jesus' word has failed. And so they have to come out with a new way, a progressive way. Listen, it's the same gospel message. Jesus is truth. Jesus is love. Jesus also is going to conquer sin. And he will conquer his enemies. And if we are his followers, we are going to love others. We're going to share the same message. The message doesn't change. Love is not merely an optional duty for someone that claims to be a Christian. It is proof that we've been born again. But let me say again, the message doesn't change. So anytime you hear progressive that means we have to progress into a new way of believing something. Throw it in the garbage. Because the scripture says it's the same, and John says it's the same from the beginning. The message hasn't changed. And it's not going to change today. Here's the second thing that he does now. He makes a contrast in verse 12 between biblical Christians to Cain. He brings up Cain. He says in verse 12, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. 
So, he, so John gives us this example here. God gives us this example uh, of what not to be like. Not to be like Cain. Well, we need to know about Cain. I'm sure a lot of you do this morning. But turn to Genesis chapter 4. Let's let God's word tell us about Cain. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Genesis 4, 1 through 11. It says, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What you have done, the voice of your brother's blood, is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So what is this? I want us to really think about this and really think about this passage. Scripture presents Cain as what? Someone who worshipped God. He was somebody who went to offer sacrifices to God. It, it, It says that. He did that. But Cain's actions proved that he was not a follower of God. His actions proved that he was a follower of who? Satan. Because he murdered his brother. Murder is the ultimate lack of love. It's the opposite. It's hate. It is an act of hate. Cain's offering wasn't acceptable to God because he was sinful. So he became jealous of Abel. That sin of jealousy then harbored in his heart, which then led him to do what? Murder. Followers of Jesus Christ can't and won't hold hatred in their hearts. Jesus took the sin of murder, and I tell people this when I'm sharing the gospel with them. Jesus took the sin of murder to a whole nother level when he said, if you've hated your brother, if you've been angry to the point where you would like to kill them, or if you've said, I hate that person, you've murdered them in your heart. So hate and murder are ultimate signs that someone does not know Jesus and is not a follower of Christ. Now, where are you going with this? Well, how does that transition into our society today with what we've seen? Over the last two weeks, I have seen many, many people, many people on TV standing outside our Supreme Court, rioting almost to the point of rioting over the fact that they want to murder children. I have seen, read an article from religious groups, and the title, I'm going to read the article, Progressive, here's the the, the title of the article from NBC. Some religions support abortion rights. Their leaders are speaking up, unquote. 
many progressive, here's the term, progressive Christian leaders on Twitter, Facebook, are coming out in support of abortion and what it does to children. These religious organizations and leaders are supporting murder defined by Scripture. And they're advancing a radical progressive agenda. Some of the churches that their leaders have came out in support of this include the conservative and reformed Judaism, the Presbyterian Church USA, the Unitarian Universalist Church, and the United Church of Christ. I've also seen this week the Disciples of Christ Christian Church is doing the same thing. Well, why mention them, Jeff? I mean, why do you call them out from the pulpit like this? Because you need to know who is actually sacrificing to Jesus, but is of Satan. You need to know who is saying that they love Jesus, and they're worshiping to Jesus, but their actions are sacrificing to Satan. They are of Cain. They are of Cain. What do we have in the text? Go back to our text in 1 John chapter 3. Boy, you just don't sound very kind and nice to those churches this morning. I'm not, and I don't believe Jesus would be. Jesus would flip their tables over. Go read about how he addressed hypocritical religious leaders. He had righteous anger. I have righteous anger. I don't have anger at somebody who's lost and doesn't know the gospel. I do have anger when people claim to preach the gospel of Jesus and are preaching a false gospel and are of Cain and Satan. It should drive every one of us to be angry. 1 John 3, 14 through 15 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Listen, true Christians, true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bold statement here. It needs to be said in every church across the world. True Christians will never support abortion, murder, or the hatred of anybody. Ever. Never. Verse 14 says, we know that we have passed out of death to life because we love. If you, if you abide, who doesn't abide in love is of death. Listen, you, this is a battleground. You think it's going to get better, church? In one month, when I prayerfully believe that Roe v. Wade is overturned, you better be ready for a fight. The fight that you've never seen. I'm not talking about guns. I'm talking about spiritual battle. We have to be ready. We have to be ready for this. Spiritual battle is here and it's coming. And you must be ready and you must stand firm on love. What's love? That even though someone's done something horrible like murder in their life, they can be forgiven through Jesus. And we're going to support what scripture says. We're going to share the truth of love. Now here's what happened. Here's the third thing. Here's, what, here's what's ha what happens when you stand on these truths, when you say these things, when you come out in support of them. John addresses it in the next verse, in verse 13. He says, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. The world is going to hate biblical Christians. Get used to it. 
I don't know why this would surprise any biblical Christian today in society. It shouldn't. We live in a world, a world of hatred of the things of God. We live in a cancel culture that wants to cancel Christianity, that wants to cancel you. They want you to be scared. Turn to John 15. John 15, verses 20, uh, 18 through 21. John 15, 18 through 21. It says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should be able, so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you. I think I wrote that down wrong. Hold on. Wait just a second. The one I, the one I should have wrote down, I, I have in my notes 15, 18 through 21. There it is. I'm, I'm reading the wrong verse. There it is. I read the wrong verse. 15, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, note, my bad, that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. Listen, if the world loves Christianity, we got a problem. Guess who they're going to put on the national news? They're not going to put somebody like me to talk about abortion and Christianity. They're going to put one of those progressive preachers on there that's going to say it's okay. That's going to go along with what the world says. The unbelieving world hates, guys, what it doesn't understand. The gospel message is foolishness to them. What do they think? That we're foolish, simple-minded, backwoods Neanderthals, right? Bunch of hillbillies in Marshfield, right? Why? Because they don't understand the gospel. They're lost. They're lost. Our world continues to become more and more progressive. And more and more they turn away from the truth of God's word. For hatred of God's people. And, the, and it's going to increase. I mean, here's some examples. We just saw it all over the news several years ago. It's still happening. Islam hates Christianity. In many parts of the world, if you're a Christian, you can't live in a Muslim country or you're under the threat of execution. We saw numerous examples of Christians being executed. Convert to Islam or die is the message. Well, well, not here in America. Well, not yet. But what about Christians who live by biblical convictions? What have we seen? Well, you'll be ineligible for certain employment. If you oppose homosexual marriage, which opposition to homosexual marriage is a biblical position, many companies wouldn't hire you. Many companies wouldn't hire me. That's one of the reasons why I started my own business. So they can't fire me. <laughs> many Christian owners of businesses, including bakers, you know where I'm going, florists, venue owners are sued. 
fined, even imprisoned for living by those biblical convictions. Here's another one. The media portrays Christianity in a very, unbi- a very biased manner. The belief that homosexuality is sinful is presented as we hate homosexuals, which couldn't, couldn't be further from the truth. Abortion is portrayed as hatred for women. Well, you bunch of women haters. No, I want to save the women who you're trying to kill. The biblical way of salvation, that Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4, 12, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You proclaim that, you know what you are? You're intolerant. You're not inclusive. The gospel message isn't inclusive. Listen, anybody can be saved, but only those who are saved are going to be in heaven. That goes against a progressive agenda. Listen, training our children in a biblical worldview is said to be what? Brainwashing. Well, you're brainwashing your kids if you teach them what the Bible says. I say, and God's word says, that abuse and brainwashing of a child is if you tell a female child that she's a boy. Or you tell a boy that he's a girl. That's brainwashing and abuse. Not teaching what the Bible says. The hatred of biblical Christianity is increasing. And according to scripture, it's going to keep getting worse. Listen, this is a spiritual battle. Satan hates God. If you love God, he hates you. He hates his followers. Now listen, why are you telling me all this this morning? Now I'm scared to death. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Be aware. Be aware. You know, a chapter later, John says this in 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Don't be scared. Just know that it's here. Recognize it for what it is. You know, true biblical Christians are not going to jump into a progressive Christianity. You have to recognize and you have to teach what's there. It's a battle. It's a battle. Now here's the, here, here's the last thing that he says. Our love now, because Jesus has saved us, because he's changed us, our love looks sacrificial, and it's in how we, in how, well, what we do, in our deeds. Verses 16, go back to John 3. It's in verses 16 through 18. John 3, 16 through 18. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how can God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. So what is that? What is love? There isn't a better definition than I can give you of what love is than what scripture doesn't already give. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, verses 4 through 7. It says this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. 
It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's no better definition of love that I can give. But what is the perfect illustration of love that I can give you this morning that John tells us here in this book? Jesus. He's the perfect illustration of love that he willingly laid down his life for sinful, evil men like me and you. I cannot describe any more love to you than that. He is the ultimate example of love that he put us before himself even to the point of death. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. We read this this morning in our new member class. And I told, I told them I was going to be reading this in the sermon. It's Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Start with verse 4. Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, equality, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the ultimate illustration. That's the ultimate illustration of example of how to love. That others are more important than ourselves. That goes against everything that the world teaches. Everything. John takes Jesus' example, though, and he applies it to us practically. He says, if we see our brother and sister in need, and we can meet the need, and don't meet the need then we haven't experienced the love of Jesus in our life. That means if one of your brothers and sisters in Christ is hurting and you can help them, you know what you do? Because God's love compels you to help them. You help them. Jesus tells the story of this exact same scenario. It's found in Luke 16. And I'm I'm finishing up. Luke 16. 19 through 25. It says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was a poor, laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in anguish in this flame. What's the story? What's the situation here? This man walked by Lazarus every single day. He saw a follower of God in need and he closed his heart against him. Well, how do I know that Lazarus was a follower of God? Because he's in heaven. Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was a poor beggar. He went to heaven because he believed in God. And it was counted to him as righteous, right? So verse 18 and 19, it says, Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. 
By this we will know that we are of truth and reassure our hearts before him. Listen, your actions show your love for God. Your actions towards your brothers and sisters. I'm going to give you this example, and I tell you this not so you can look at me. It's just a good illustration, I think. I get Facebook friend requests all the time from people. I don't have any idea who they are. And a lot of them are local, and I just thought, well, maybe they visited the church, or I don't know. I just get all these Facebook friend requests. And I got one from a missionary in the Dominican Republic. And I'm like, well, I don't even know if this guy's real or not. And, and pretty, pretty soon, pretty quickly, he started telling me how his family was struggling financially. And he was having a hard time feeding his family. And I'm like, look, I, I have to use discernment, too. I, I can't just send people money around the world. I don't know who they are, right? There's a lot of, you got to use biblical discernment. Well, I found he had, there was a lady uh, in, in Virginia that had went to this mission uh, and helped him serve in missions. So I, I set up a phone call with her. One afternoon, it was a quick phone call, just to confirm whether this guy was truly a missionary and was he actually have a church and was this just a big scam, right? Um, and it turned out, yeah, this guy has a mission there and it's struggling and it's hard. So I helped the guy. I helped the guy. And it weighed on my heart. I think, it, I think this all happened for a reason because this part in the sermon was coming up. It weighed on my heart for like a week. Like, man, Lord, I, I have the means to be able to help this guy. But at the same time, I, don't, I can't send somebody money I don't know. And Lord, what do I do? And this passage of scripture kept coming up in my mind. And several times I told him, no, I don't know who you are. And then it all worked out where I could verify who the guy was. And I ended up sending him some money, right? Well, here's, here's how, I, how this ties in. If you see a brother or sister in need and you don't help them and you have the means, then red warning alarms should go off in your head about whether you have Christ. It, it, they just should. Well, let me say this also this morning. If you say that you're a follower of Christ and you try to take advantage of a church or its members to make profit in your life, then you're stealing from God and red warning lines should be going off in your head. Look at, look at Acts and the story of Ananias and Sapphira, how they stole from God and what happened to them. We have a responsibility. Listen, church, we as Americans are more wealthy than 99% of people around the world. It's just the truth. Let me remind us and myself of what Luke 12, 48 says. It says, everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. Much is required of us, church. Not only financially in supporting the gospel mission, but presenting the gospel message. Sharing the truth of who Jesus is. To whom much is given, much is required. This not only applies to the worldly wealth that God has given us and put us in charge of, it applies even more to this gospel message of Jesus Christ that must be shared. Our love for the Lord Jesus should compel us in our lives to a sacrificial love. If I know, if I know that my brother's lost and he's dying and he's headed for hell, my neighbor, my family, and I don't share the gospel with him, I'm not loving him. I'm hating him. I hate him. My love for Jesus should compel me to share the truth. I don't care how awkward Satan makes it. I don't care how hard he makes it. It has to compel us. Here's the review. Well, I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. 
this message of Jesus that was at the beginning has not changed. It's the same message, the same message, the ultimate love of Christ and what he did for us and dying for us. That's never going to change. I want to tell you this morning, I didn't ask our elders about this, but if, I, if we ever start teaching a progressive Christianity, you go find a, a church that doesn't, that preaches the gospel. The minute I get up here and pro- teach a progressive Christianity, you fire me that Sunday. Get rid of me. Number two, there is a contrast between followers of Satan, between Cain and Abel, followers of Jesus. True followers of Jesus Christ, true biblical churches will not support evil in the world. If we support the murder of the most innocent of our citizens, the most innocent of ours, and we don't stand and fight, regardless if it costs us a job, shut the doors of the building and don't have church here. If we ever don't stand on biblical truth, then we're not of Christ and there's no reason to be here. We have to be on guard for this. You and your families, listen, elders are responsible for this church. I'm thankful that I'm just one of them. And when I get out of line, I got three other guys to say, Jeff, get back in line. Come on. All right? It happens. It happens. I'm thankful for that. Guess who, parents, is responsible for their households? You are. So if you let progressive Christianity, which is of Cain, into your house, you're responsible. Not the preacher, not anybody else, you. Not the professor at college, not the teacher at school, you. You be on guard, be on guard. The third thing. Because we don't support the evil things in the world, it is going to cost you. It is go- People will hate you. The world will hate you. If you are living out your faith, a lost and dying world will hate you. They will hate your children. They will say horrible things about you. And you know what we should do? Count it joy. Count it as joy. It makes us, as a body of believers, you know what it really should do? It should cause this body of believers to become even more like this. shouldn't divide us. It should cause us to make this even more important. That being a part of this church is even more important. And our example, our example in loving others and how we live this faith out. Listen, I don't do this in anger. There's not sinful anger in me. I have righteous anger about what happens in the world. My love for Jesus and his love has to compel us to love others, to share the truth with them. He is the example. And it has to be in how we do, how we live our life, in our deeds, not just our words. It's a sacrificial love. To whom much is given, much is required. He has given this church the gospel message to share in this town. I'm thankful that he's put me here in Marshfield. I love our community. I love our town. He's put us here for a reason. I'm thankful he didn't put me in California right now or New York because I'd be struggling. I'm thankful I'm here. We have a a message. We have to do it. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Maybe you're here this morning.
Just like Richard was Wednesday, you need to be saved. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit works in your heart. And today will be the day of salvation for you. That's my prayer. My also prayers, brothers and sisters, that we stay like this together. That we stay like this. That if somebody here gets fired because they stood on a biblical principle, that one of us in here hires them and helps them. And we take care of one another and we're there for one another. It's important. Pray for one another. Pray for our church. If you need to come today and pray for your family, whatever it is, you can do that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the time I got to spend in it this week. Thank you, Lord, for letting me get through the sermon with no voice, Lord. I thank you for that. And uh, God, we worship you today. I don't know how you've worked in people's hearts or lives, but I believe you have. And so, Lord, we just turn it over to you. We love you. We thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
guys. I want to thank you all for coming today. Uh, here's kind of the charge, uh, guys, and I'll read the benediction here in a second. I, we don't need to worry. I don't, want, I don't worry, and I don't want you worry about, about trying to be relevant out there. It don't matter if you're relevant out there, because you're relevant to the creator of the universe. We should be worried about making sure we're relevant with this, not anything else. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 is the benediction. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? That's sacrificial. That's a sacrificial dying to yourself to live for Christ. Dying for yourself to live for Christ. Guys, we have to be like this. We have to be united around what's right and nothing else. I want you to pray for the church. I want you to pray for the Southern Baptist Convention. There are some things that came out this week that I talked to our elders about this morning. I'm not, I'm not happy with the SBC right now at all. And, and there's going to be some things coming down the line. We, we may have to make decisions based upon what they're standing for isn't in line with this. So I want you to pray about that. I want you to be praying, praying for the church, the leaders. I'm telling you, in another month, it's going to get bad. It's going to get worse. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Alan Greenfield, would you close us in prayer today?